How are you, Jesse? I'm so good. It's a beautiful sunny Saturday. Yes, it's so good to see you and thank you for waking up early for us. It's like 11 on the East Coast, but I know it's bright and early for you. It's actually my new normal because we've been time shifting in my in my home the work day so that we can block out times for both my husband and I to get some stuff done. So I'm the early morning shift. Same. I like the early shift. By four o'clock though, I can't think at all. Like I'm like, I can't have any meetings. I can't do any strategic thinking. I'm done. I just had that conversation with my husband yesterday because I didn't finish everything I needed to in the morning. And in the afternoon I was like, I just, I can't, I can't go there. I can't do it. My brain doesn't work this way. <laughs> Same. Like I would rather get up at 5 a.m. the next day and like catch up. Like I'll be sharper in that, in that environment. So totally. it's good that there's all types of people because yes. it's like better functioning in the evening, you know? Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. I'm so excited. This is our first, like, I don't know, what are these called? Episodes? Episode of the Rosie Reboot, um, which has just been something we wanted to do for so long um, because we have so many awesome friends of Rosie that have really incredible insights to share and like very different perspectives on this industry. And so we just wanted to like start capturing that and yeah. share it with the world in some way. So it made so much sense for you to be our first. Awesome. I'm so honored and grateful to be here. Yes. So should we do intros? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do intros as we make this up as we go. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to intro you. I'll tell everybody how much I love you. So um, I was introduced to Jesse Kernan um, about, gosh, was it like eight, eight months ago? I think it was almost a year ago. I think it was almost exactly a year ago. There's like no sense of time in startup yeah. land. Like everything is simultaneously like five minutes and 10 Yeah. Minutes. I just remember because I remember our very first phone conversation and where I was at the time. And I was working on a particular project that had me yeah. downtown LA. And I was downtown LA when I was talking to you. So it was, it was oh my gosh. Your memory is better than mine. Yeah. I, um, so I, I was introduced to you, Jesse, um, because when I got We Are Rosie off the ground, people just started telling me all the amazing independent consultants out there in, in the marketing space. And you, of course, were one of them. And what I was told is Jesse is the former marketing science officer from RAP. She's brilliant. She's gone out on her own. She has her own consultancy called Outside Wave, and you have to know her. She's just the best. And so we got on the phone, and the rest is history. Like, I feel like I've known you forever, and I'm so thankful for that. Totally. Well, first, in between that, I actually stalked you on LinkedIn. <laughs> And I read as much as I could about We Are Rosie, and I was like, man, she is breaking the rules, and I freaking love rule breakers, and I am so obsessed with what you're doing and how necessary it is in this industry of marketing and advertising, and I was just so thrilled to have been introduced, so yeah. Thank you for saying that. I love that. I feel like because We Are Rosie was like, founded with these like rebel principles like we're just tired of the bullshit and we're just going to actually go create the change we want to see that we've attracted like a magnet like i really do like imagine it like we are rosie is just this magnet and we've attracted all these other like rebels and innovators and futurists and it's been like such a gift to be surrounded by all of these brilliant minds it is it's like a magnetic pull for people who think in that way and want to yeah. see and want to see the positive change that can and should be made. Totally, totally. And I, so as our relationship has evolved, you know, Jesse and I, like we were just 
buddies for the longest and like, you know, we would share, you know, ideas and brainstorm things together. And when we decided to create the Rosie Report, um, which is our effort to kind of combine all of the insights and data that we have within We Are Rosie and some external data and some qualitative interviews with all the various stakeholders um, around our business, you were just like the no brainer. I was like, Jesse has to help us do this and um, lead the charge on the Rosie report because it'll be beautiful. So I'm like, that's kind of prompted us to do this video podcast. And I'm so excited that you've been leading the charge. And, um, you know, I, I just like, I, I appreciate it so much. And as I've told you, and I've literally told anybody I've been able to talk to through this quarantine period, <laughs> um, it's just been such a privilege every single day, like a real true privilege. I feel grateful to get up and do this in the morning. So um, it's been a really fun journey talking to some amazingly brilliant people who have opened my mind to things that it wasn't even you know, thinking about before and looking at data that just shows us how bright the future is. It's, it's been really an honest privilege. Yeah, I love it. And Jesse, can you like break down for anybody who's watching kind of what's the framework of the Rosie Report, the impetus, and um, just kind of how, how, what you've been up to for the past few months on this front? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we started this journey well before we were in the midst of a global pandemic, you know, lockdown. Um, and we were talking about and looking to expose some of the key themes that are now in everybody's face every day as we're living through this COVID-19 situation. Um, but, the, but the intention was to really kind of diagnostically explore what's going on in the working world, especially as it relates to its, um, its ability to sync with our lives. What is happening with talent and, and this amazing magic that we've seen with We Are Rosie as an example, um, where we're seeing, you know, increasing numbers of, of really talented people coming out of the woodwork wanting to self-select into an independent way of working, a more flexible working life. And what are all the drivers there? What are all the implications of that? Um, you know, what does that mean for organizations in terms of the talent that they're going to have access to and, and how that actually has the potential to really significantly impact some of the, the biggest challenges or the most wicked problems, if you will, of our time. Um, everything from just productivity challenges and economic challenges to environmental sustainability and um, wellness and, and, you know, people becoming their best selves. So yeah, um, but it's all about, you know, it's, it's funny because I've always like part of the reason we got this business going is that there was just to me such an obvious like incongruence between how people wanted to work and how work was being served up. And there were just too many excuses for why we couldn't bridge that gap. And it was kind of mind blowing to me, right? Because I don't care what organization you're in or what function you are in an organization, like what makes it tick is the people. Yeah. And if you're, you know, forcing people this square peg round hole situation into working in a way that doesn't make sense for their lives, like, are you getting their best work? Are you getting their creativity? Like, how can you be creative in that environment? Yeah. Um, and so I just had all of these kind of hypotheses about what would happen 
if we struck down those barriers and said, hey, we see you as a whole human person with uh, experiences and life outside of work. And um, there isn't really, it's too much to ask for like, we can just try to balance the two and keep them totally separate, like work over here and life over here. Like we're one person. It's like all integrated. I mean, is now like, is such a good example of that, right? Is we're all like hanging out at our houses, you know, <laughs> working with our kids and our dogs and our friends and our neighbors. Yes, um, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So our work rhythms and our life rhythms were just increasingly out of sync, right? We culturally and societally, we were progressing light years. We were, you know, dismantling all these different institutions, whether it was the definition of a family or when you're supposed to get married or whether you're supposed to own a home, all yeah. that stuff was crumbling down around us. And yet like work was sort of staying what it was. And we were talking about working smart as the new mantra, but working hard was, is still really the yeah. currency. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, you know, COVID-19 has really kind of shown a spotlight on all this, but it didn't start it. There was always so much friction already in the system and talent was already on the move. The awakening was underway, you know, yes. um, and COVID-19 accelerated an already latent need for change, basically. Um, yeah. so kind of a different um, and more sudden force function, I guess, right? The forcing function before was that there was a shortage of talent and organizations were feeling the pain of that, not being able to get the type of talent that they needed, the caliber that they needed. And they were realizing they needed to start thinking maybe about meeting the talent where the talent was or where the talent was going. Now we've got nearly 20% of the workforce unemployed. So it's a little bit different situation, but the forcing function is that in the, in the process of getting there, the vast majority of the workforce had to experience working in this whole new way. Yeah. And so here we are, you know, the 80% that's still employed is like, hey, maybe, you know, that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, they always knew it wasn't it, but now nobody can make any more excuses, right? Like, yeah. who's going right. to go back to work after this? You know, somebody that's been asking for two days of work from home for years, sheepishly, because they're trying to juggle life and work and being told, no, 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 you have to be in the office. Like, Who's going to tell them no after this? Like, I'm fascinated to see how all of that unfolds because, you know, I call it the talent migration, right? People who have opted into independent work to take control of their lot, their whole lives, right? Personally and professionally. Yeah. And, you know, that was one of the, the main options. And it, and it wasn't an option for everybody. It's frankly, it's a privileged position to say, I'm going to go be a consultant. Um, but now people who are working within the, the traditional work paradigm, which will hopefully no longer be traditional after this, are going to have options to really integrate their whole selves into work, I think, coming out of this. Yes. And organizations likewise are going to see that actually unleashing the talent in that way and thinking about talent with more open minds and thinking about you know, workforce strategy and, and organizational strategy with more open minds actually gets you further faster, right? If you are looking ultimately for the greatest amount of productivity, the okay. first step in the chain is liberating the talent to, to work in the way that's most productive for them. I love that word. I've, I've started using the word liberating a lot. Like it, it really is like where people are, are getting freedom. Um, the circumstances are awful and could, could it have happened any other way? I wish. Um, but the, one of the silver linings of this like 
horrible, you know, tough situation that we're in is, is that people are going to have more flexibility and more of a voice in how their work gets done. Yeah. So I want to dive into the Rosie Report specifics. So yeah. this has been so cool because we have given you full access to our clients. So Fortune 500 clients, agency clients, um, our Rosies, so the Rosie consultants within our community, and then just some thought leaders in the, in the space that have a lot of experience um, on innovative models within marketing and not in some, you know, not even within marketing, just within their own space. And you've just been able to like get completely immersed in all of this. And yes. It's how has it been? It, I mean, like I said, just a, a true privilege. It's been, it's been mind stretching, like an intellectual stretch every single day in like the best possible way. Um, I feel like it is helping me see things that I haven't seen before on a personal level, but also just to get a sense of how remarkable this network that you've built is, the caliber of talent that lives within the Rosie organization, the caliber of um, advisors who are on the Rosie team, the, the way that the clients gush, <laughs> gush about their experience with Rosie and the impact, like that's the big thing is like the work that's being done here is not just marketing work. The work that's being done is having really significant impact on people and organizations. And so that's just been amazing to hear about and, and to have the privilege of, you know, packaging up. Yeah. Can you tease like one or two of the big insights, like the light bulb moments for you as you've kind of like synthesized all of this information and, and data? Yeah. Um, so I mean, one of the things is that is kind of been in our way, I think has been, how many sort of false um, binaries exist in this world uh, right now. So, you know, a full-time employee is committed and loyal and an independent, um, you know, freelance talent is freewheeling or, you know, wanting to sort of phone it in, um, not as reliable. Um, likewise with remote talent, you know, if you're on site, you are working. Um, if you're off site, you are playing. Um, and we just have all these sort of fixed connections in our heads that need to be kind of overcome and has been so amazing to see, you know, the recent circumstances kind of blast apart. Um, but I think that, you know, those, those binaries are, were one of the things that was just so obvious or eye-opening to me that a lot of it is just subconscious. Um, another one that is so um, inspiring for me is thinking about the future in which um, those binaries are no longer measures of talent. Whether you are in a particular city isn't the first criteria or whether you have particularly, you know, had um, specific types of experience that that going forward, um, the, the most important thing for evaluating and acquiring and, um, and working with talent is going to be measures of humanity. So compatibility and um, communication abilities and the ability to continuously learn. And thinking about that and how that just breaks down everything that sort of traditional work structure is built on, whether that's hierarchy or that's, um, you know, the, the 
qualifications for particular jobs. Um, We've started to see amidst all of this turmoil too. look at the financial institutions and how they are reorienting talent, role shifting people. Everybody now is on the, on the PPP program, right? They used to underwrite mortgage loans. Now they are working on, you know, small business relief from the government. Um, They used to be in, you know, a traditional retail banking function maybe. And now they are working on, on small business relief from the government. We're just, we're seeing all this flexibility come into play that is illuminating um, how, important the human credential of adaptability and of of you know eq and all of those things we've sort of talked about but really haven't operationalized yet haven't instituted we're still thinking about do they have these skills have they had this experience um you know did they go to college and um you know there's there's two levels of that that are really important to me, one is that that's missing some of the really great talent when you start with all that criteria. Um, but the other is that it's perpetuating so much deep-seated bias in our society because people have privileges and have opportunities because of you know where they've come from um, at different levels. And so it's just really inspiring to me to think about measuring people on um, their ability to do whatever might be required from here, not necessarily to do whatever they've been able to do in the past. Yeah. I like, I couldn't agree more. And it's been so fun. Like, I think actually this like kind of crossed my mind yesterday, like the, we are Rosie business, like our core team that works on the business every day, supporting, you know, 4,000 independent marketers. We are the case study in this, right? Like when I started the business, I, I don't even look at people's resumes when I hire them. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you went to college. Um, you know, I, I really just want to get to know you. And the beauty of our model is, right, we can give a lot of people projects and then make them um, a, a core member of the team after we see if we jive together, right? Like, is our intuition right that this person is a good fit? But I've always said, like, for our business, um, and particularly because we're a startup and we have to be really scrappy and we don't have funding, we're super bootstrapped, I'm like, my number one criteria for hiring for this business is can you figure shit out? Like, that's the thing that I want to know about you. And can you operate in a fast paced environment and everything else we can figure out along the way. Um, And just removing, like, is that the blueprint that would work for, you know, a fortune 10 brand? Maybe not. Right. Like there may need to be some some different, you know, criteria, but there is a middle ground, you know, and one of the things that we've seen um, in our own business is how resilient we are. Um, We're not laying off. We're not furloughing. We have grown our business in a really smart way with people that can do multiple skill, multiple disciplines or contribute in different ways, but also can figure shit out, right? So that if something happens and all hands are doing something totally different today than we were doing two days ago, that everybody can kind of jump in and figure it out. And I think to your point, like our bias and just like all of the nonsense, you know, you have to go to college, you have to be able to come into the office, Um, you know, like all of these things there, it's not an inclusive way to structure an organization. Like this is a hill I'm willing to die on, right? Like if you're putting all of these pre-qualifiers in before you bring talent into your organization, like how are you inclusive? Like period, how is that inclusive 
people want to work in this way. And more importantly, people need to work in this way. They do. And in the absence of it, you cannot physically be wholly inclusive. Like it is just absolutely impossible because there are segments of the workforce that represent real true talent that is willing, but presently unable to participate in the workforce. Whether that is because they have prioritized a family requirement over a work requirement or, or, not work requirement, but yeah, I guess work requirement, the requirements that are, that are so rigid around what work is. Um, Or they have a a disability of some sort, whether mental or physical, they feel like they're stigmatized. They feel like they've been tokenized in a traditional workplace. They're just generally uncomfortable with being in a, in a physical environment with lots of people all the time. I mean, those are all people with still great talent to offer to the world that are boxed out of organizations that create this sort of fixed rigidity. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I feel really hopeful. Like after you've done all of these interviews and had all these conversations with our big brand clients and our agency clients too, like, do you feel hopeful? Like, do you feel like the change is coming and like people are opening their minds? I, I feel like um, we can't go back. You know what I mean? I feel like um, we've crossed that line. And so there's the only way to feel is hopeful, (laughs) right? Because we're not all going to pack it up and throw in the towel. Well, the old world's gone. So I guess we go home. Um, No, we we go forward. This, this is a a huge cycle breaking moment. Like it's like, it's literally a moment of catalytic change of, you know, I'm not really a religious person, but like nearly biblical proportion, you know? Um, and so how, how can you not feel hope when you look back on all of those other cycle breaking moments we've had? It was always a, a burst forward into greater prosperity and, and opportunity. So I couldn't agree more. Like we, like we have to choose hope right now, you know, and, and we're seeing it, uh, through our business and through the conversations that we get to have every day and through even like we've been getting approached by so many of our clients who are like, hey, we didn't really think about this two months ago, but actually we're, we're redefining what resiliency looks like. But that's not even been on the, on the list of things that you need in a marketing organization. Like there's agility and nimbleness. Those are more important than ever now, obviously. But this idea of resiliency and how, like, how do we make a more resilient organization? And Jesse, I don't even have had a chance to tell you this. I was talking to a procurement team at one of a big, like a fortune 10 brand last week. And, um, and I was like, what is holding up our MSA? (laughs) And they said, you know, we are going through an exercise right now where we're evaluating our, all of our marketing providers for their resiliency. So all of their existing suppliers, they're saying, how resilient is their organization? How dependent are they on in office? How dependent are they on in city, you know, making magic happen together co-located. Um, and they're going through all of those exercises. I mean, who would have thought that this would be on anybody's radar? Well, I know. Um, I think it's a good thing. It's, su- it's a great thing. And it's such a, a unique thing. Like, I think you're raising how important it is to kind of characterize the transformation that has to take place now, right? We're, we're not going from static point A to static point B. It's not like we, we were a movie rental business and now we're a streaming video service. It's not that. There will still be some of those things having to take place, but this 
kind of transformation is required in every single organization and every single function. Yeah. It's not even we used to not allow remote work and now we do. This becoming resilient is a whole you know, discipline in and of itself, like designing resilience into the organization, or if I'm, you know, the marketer in me, like resilient by design, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but resilience has no destination, right? Yeah. It's about fluidity and, and being able to roll with the punches. And um, we've been rigid for so long, like rigidly hierarchical, rigidly rigid hiring criteria, um, be it even, you know, being rigidly a startup that does things the startup way, like there, yes. we've, we've put sort of fixed parameters around so much and being rigid, anything means like you're vulnerable to breakage. Yeah. So, you know, how do we start thinking about organizations that aren't as vulnerable to breakage? It's a whole different way of examining you know, everything from workflow to talent to vendors to everything. Yeah. I'm excited by it. Me too. I'm really excited by it. Like this will be a new era and it will be better for everybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess on that note, I have one final question for you, Jesse. So after all of your um, kind of insight gathering and conversations and really being able to imagine what the future of this industry can look like, um, what is one thing that you're really excited to see or to never see again in the marketing space? Yeah. Um, I think for me, definitely the false barriers, having grown up through the um, agency world, like 20 years plus veteran of the agency world. Don't, don't compute the math there, but um, there were just so many excuses, you know, we have to be creative. So then we can't work differently. We have to be collaborative. So we can't work differently. We need people who have these skills. We have to be, we have to be able to work so fast. So we can't have people who need to learn on the job. Yeah. Um, just all these sort of false barriers to the progress that we need to see in society for us to be healthy and whole and, and, um, productive as, as individuals and as a collective. Um, I'm, I'm really hopeful and, and optimistic that we'll start to shake some of those excuses and even start to question whether there is a place for excuses anymore. I say no more excuses. I, I <laughs> no more excuses. Moment, like we have to rebuild, right? Like we can't fall into old patterns. It just won't compute anymore, right? Like the old way of doing things is just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so we have this moment to rebuild. Let's just build it the way it should be, right? Like with no bullshit, no more panels about, you know, moving the diversity metrics by 1% at a time. Let's build a new system that is for everyone that understands that we are all whole human beings, that we are adults, we will show up and get work done, and that you can have flexibility and fluidity built into your system and still get amazing results. You'll actually get better results than you were getting before. Like this is our moment to raise the bar. So that's like, I feel like that's the rallying cry for the marketing industry right now. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with me and being our first guest. My pleasure. I love so spending time with you in any way I can. Yeah. We'll talk 10 more times this week. Bye.
Okay, sounds good. Enjoy your weekend, Jesse. Okay, thanks, you too. Great, bye. Bye.